0: This is the Creasecast. New Creasecast for this Saturday afternoon. Hi, everybody. It's just me in the studio today. Uh, the studio being uh, the <laughs> the video, the video uh, setup we have for the show. Because obviously we are not, we haven't done a single episode uh, in person for this entire uh, pandemic. That makes sense. Um, sorry, we're coming at you a little bit late today. Uh, listen, it's been a bit of a week for me. Uh, I have spent a lot of late nights working on some stuff that I'm very excited about that you guys are gonna get to see pretty soon. Um, and, uh, just generally going to bed at a relatively, uh, not-so-great time for you to be going to bed every single night. Uh, <laughs> on Friday night, I was actually, you know a little bit. I actually saw an opportunity to go to have an actual proper good night's sleep at a normal time, and I and I decided I needed to take that opportunity. So hopefully you guys can forgive me for the show coming out uh, on your Saturday afternoon, recording it uh, this afternoon, and coming out to you before tonight's Canucks-Oilers game, the final game uh, of their four-game set, their final meeting of the season, I do believe. Uh, all that's left after this is a lot of games against... Uh, Calgary and Winnipeg um, But there is an opportunity at stake here for the Canucks uh, Be it be there as it may and that is to not only to possibly extend uh, Any sort of a hope about of a playoff series of a uh, of making the playoffs because of course those are becoming farther and farther away um, with uh, I believe right now uh, because of, because Montreal won the other night uh, and the Canucks won the other night, uh, they're still technically, it is still technically possible for Vancouver to, uh, make the playoffs. As soon as Montreal gets, I believe, even gets two points, though, uh, it's over, so you have to hope that, essentially, you have to hope that Montreal, uh, loses out for the entire rest of the way, and the Canucks win out (laughs) entirely for the rest of the way. I'm gonna take a wild guess and say that that's probably not gonna happen, um, oh, okay, so there is one more game against Edmonton after this. Okay, so there are two, but this has been a whole week where it's just four straight games against the Oilers. We've gotten pretty sick of them, uh, especially after the first two games, the 5-3 loss on Monday, the 4-1 loss on Tuesday. And then, out of seemingly out of nowhere, the Canucks actually come out and win. <laughs> win 6-3 over Edmonton on Thursday. And... There are, there are some... There's a lot of things we're going to get into today about that game and just how nuts it was. Um, in terms of giving out the Infinity Gauntlet, you know, for this week, there are, or for this show, there are lots of people who I can hand it to. In fact, this whole episode might frankly just be one extended Infinity Gauntlet of sorts. But I feel like if we're going to give it to anybody today, uh, you know, there is very clearly one person who went... <laughs> Above and beyond for the Canucks on on Thursday, someone who just came out of left field to have an incredible an incredible game that really benefited Vancouver uh, for what they needed to do on Thursday and to really provide a statement. <laughs> and that was Miko Koskinen, four goals on four shots. <laughs> oh, Miko, what are you doing, man? That was a that was a, a rough game to watch from as a goalie. That was a very rough, rough night. Uh, or I should say about five minutes for for Koskinen. Four, four goals on four shots leaves the game with a save percentage of 0-0-0. <laughs> oh, just an all-around mess for him. But you know what? He really did his job for Vancouver. <laughs> he really came through <laughs> in the clutch there for them. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's 4 nothing by, what, the first 10 minutes of the game? Like, within the first 10 minutes, is already 4 Uh Koskinen has smashed his stick in half on the post. Mike Smith comes in, doesn't do, I would say, all that much better. He was, he was, I mean, he was better than Koskinen was, but, like, and far as far as a good goaltending performance was, I wouldn't necessarily chalk that up to one of his best either. He had a couple iffy moments uh, that ended up costing them and cost putting them farther behind the eight ball in the in the later stages of the game, although, although you could make the argument game was already out of hand. It didn't really matter. Um, but Vancouver walks away with a 6-3 victory, thanks in large part to just a... <laughs> oh, I'm not going to dunk on him too hard. Poor Koskinen. I mean, he's, he's probably not going to start many games from here on out. I mean, how many games more do they even have left? Uh, does the Oilers, do the Oilers even have left? I imagine it's pretty close to done. They've got only four, and then the playoffs, and I imagine he will not start much during the postseason, uh, for Edmonton, uh, when they go up against Winnipeg, uh, and whoever else comes stands in their way, probably a Toronto. Um, but as far as from an actual Canucks standpoint, if we really want to talk about some people who had, uh, just incredible games for the Canucks, um, there's a lot of people you can go to. I mean, we can just go straight through the list here. I mean, but I guess we're going to start with anybody. We have to start with Jack Rathbone. Uh defenseman kid playing in a second game, Harvard boy, um, you know, had a had a decent night uh under sheltered minutes in his first game against Edmonton. Uh it was a it was a question of, you know, what is he going to do if you give him a little bit more opportunity and room? And sure enough, just What, four minutes into that game? Uh a puck get puck gets stolen by the third line, just having a good having a good opportunity, and Rathbone gets a clear shot away and scores his very first NHL goal. I mean, like, what a great moment. Edmonton is proving this season to be a very good spot to be a Canucks rookie if you want a goal. Um, that's where Nils Hoaglander got his first goal. Uh, and, uh, now you got, ha- and now you got, uh, Rathbone coming in. And if you want to talk about players who aren't rookies scoring their first goal as well, Travis Hamanick scoring his first goal as a Canuck at first goal of the season. Also against Edmonton on Thursday, he was, he, he had a good game all his own. His goal is a little bit more fluky than Rathbone's was. Rathbone was just a clear, nice shot. Uh, whereas Hamannix was just a shot that Koskinen got a piece of, it flips over his head and into the net. Um, talk about your lucky bounces! Um, but overall, I mean, for Rathbone to come into his first, to that second game, and come up with a great oppor- and come up with just a great opportunity and take advantage and score that goal um, is awesome. And it's just again, it's it's you're hoping it's the shape of things to come for him. He uh, picked a spot, he had his opportunity, and took it, and now the Canucks have a situation where finally it looks like, um, the defense situation, at least on that left-hand side, is clearing up a little bit, because there was a little worry. Are we overhyping this guy just a little bit too much? Are we giving him more credit and and having higher expectations of what he's capable of than we should be giving, than we should? Um... Nope, he's very clearly proving that he's ready to go and this is where he belongs. He belongs in the in the NHL already. Um hadn't played a lot in Utica just because of all the quarantine stuff and everything. I believe he only ended up playing like I don't think he played I don't think I don't think he got to double digits. He might not- I don't believe I don't believe so. I will check Elite Prospects as I talk here um and see just how many he finished up with. But he he's provided more stability for that blue line where it just hasn't been all year. It just has not been there. Um, there's been too many... There have been guys jumping in and out of the lineup, like you, Levy. obviously Jordy Ben until he was traded. Um, you look at um, Jalen Chatfield. Um, just a bunch of defensemen kind of trying to rotate through and being like, good lord, we're never going to find a sixth. There's never going to be a bona fide number six. Um, uh, or really, for that matter, a bona fide, you know, number four, guy who should be playing top four minutes. And... You know, Rathbone's not there yet, he only had 12 minutes of ice time against the Oilers on Thursday, but as the as the season kind of comes closer to a conclusion, and likely that will be tonight, I imagine it would be, uh, I would not be surprised if, you know, at least one of Montreal winning or the Canucks losing happened tonight. That's all it takes, right? It only needs one, only one of those outcomes needs to happen for the Canucks playoff chances to officially uh, disappear. Um, and, and as far as that, the rest of the season goes, there will be more opportunities. There's plenty of games left for him where it's like, okay, he'll get his chances and he'll get a lot more ice time, uh, than he's been getting in these last few games, but yeah, oh yeah, Utica, he only played eight games. I was not, I was not wrong. He played eight games, had nine points. He's doing okay, guys. He's doing okay. Um... Um, I mean, what else can you say with Rathbone? It's very clear that he is getting, um, the right, that he's getting, that he's in the right spot right now and that he should be playing this time in the NHL. Um, maybe you'd like to see him with a different defensive pairing, um, or at least getting some time with someone else. Like right now, obviously they have to kind of put Edler and Schmidt together because I don't know if you want, um, I don't know if you want Edler with Myers right now. I don't think that's a good option. And that's kind of—that is kind of the biggest problem here is that right side is just such a, a a mess right now in terms of, like, what they have at their disposal. There's not really much you can do because you don't really want to put Myers with Edler. You, you definitely don't want that. And you don't want him playing with Hughes either um, because Hughes is clearly the offensive spark plug on defense. And yet when Tyler Myers gets the puck, he immediately is like, okay— I'm Bobby Orr, and I'm going to try and skate this right to the net. So you can't have him on the ice, really, at the same time as Quinn Hughes, because then you know that there are going to be lots of times where Hughes, despite being the better scoring option, is going to get ignored by his own partner because his partner thinks that he's got the best opportunity to put the puck in the net. So you don't really have a lot of choices. So it makes sense that he is playing with Rathbone right now, but you hope that maybe they find an opportunity for him to play some to get some ice time with say uh like a Nate Schmidt or a, uh maybe even a Travis Hammock, although I kinda like the Hammanic Hughes pairing as far as the rest of the season is concerned. I don't mind I don't mind that at all. Um I would like to see him get some time with Schmidt if I had to pick somebody. I think he would be the person that I think could really benefit. I think those two as a unit could be a very good group going into, uh, next season. I think that would, I think that would be possibly your, your second pair. Like, uh, your guaranteed second pair for next season would be Rathbone and Schmidt. And I think they'd look pretty good together if you put them there in in the, in that spot. Um, yeah, I think that would be a good, a good place for him. And then it comes back to the question of who do you find for Quinn Hughes? Who do you, who do you put alongside him? And that's, Gonna take some time. That's gonna take some looking and some free agent probably some free agent shopping or a trade. But there are options out there for who you can put with Hughes. Uh because again, I think Hamedek should probably not be playing as much ice time as he's been getting. Um But hey, he got his first he got his first goal as a Canuck, so maybe maybe that's the the turnaround they needed. Although again Hannick hasn't been all that bad. It's just that he's playing a lot more, and he's playing in a role that, on a healthy, well-built, constructed roster, he wouldn't be. You know, like he would be—he would be your third pairing guy. He would be in Tyler Myers' spot right now um, on a healthy, well, well-rounded team. Uh, he would not be playing in the position where he's on playing, I believe, like, generally speaking, first pairing minutes for a lot of time, just because of, he's playing, well, he's playing 15 minutes, so, okay, so he's playing closer to the bottom pairing as it is, but he is getting paired with Hughes a lot, um, so, you gotta find something to do there, you gotta find a place to maybe put him on that third pairing, I don't know if you want him with Rathbone necessarily, because again, that, again, Really, it's that Myers contract, that Myers thing, just, uh, making things a lot tougher because I don't know where I want to, where I would put Tyler Myers, uh, as, oh, as much as, as good as he has been at eating up a lot of ice time, I don't really know where I'd put him in this group, uh, if, uh, I had the say and I had, uh, options at my disposal, but you can't not play him because he's, because you're paying him $6 million a year. Uh, that's all. You know what? Why? You know what? we don't need to get into this today. The Canucks won. Let's let's not let's save the Tyler Myers stuff for a, a day that's a lot more sad. Um, we'll figure that out another time. Um, in the meantime, congrats to Jack Rathbone scores his first NHL goal, and shout out to Travis Hamonic as well, who got his first as a Canuck. two, two, de- two defensemen who have. Uh, really, who really who really stood out in that game, and who uh, really, despite their, you know, clearly the the least to the least amount of ice time and the least amount of opportunity to make a difference in that game, uh, they did it, and they took advantage of a of a goalie who is having an off night, and sometimes that makes a difference. That makes all the difference. You gotta you gotta find your opportunities. You gotta see when a goaltender is not playing at their best, and you just take advantage. That's what great what good players do. Um. Another guy who I would give a lot of credit to, and I guess you could kind of give credit to the whole to that whole uh, a line here, to that whole line here, is uh, Tyler Graovac. Um Guy comes in again. We were, you know, first and for he he hasn't played in a long time. hasn't played in the NHL in a long time. I think his last. Uh, his last game was back in 2019 just to give you an idea of how long of how long it's been since Tyler back was in the lineup for the Canucks and i think he got knocked out by an injury so and even before i think he had done all right um he had done okay like he had had a couple points and the team was having some was having a little bit of injury trouble but overall doing all right and here comes Tyler Grayback um he was playing. Oh, he was he had, he had nine points in nine games with the Manitoba Moose on loan this year. Um, sixth game as a Canuck, scores his first scores his first NHL point since last season. Since he had two points in eight games last year. Hey, good for him. Um, that third line, and this has been kind of a talking point for the last um, the last three we- the last uh, three games or so. And, um, is the fact that that third, they've been kind of lately, they've been using a third line, uh, almost, uh, they've been basically using a third line of Tyler Gravac centering Matthew Highmore and Jace Howerluck. And we talked about this in the last episode, how as much as Brandon Sutter brought veteran presence to that third line and, you know, that fourth line looked those, that, that bottom six looks very depleted right now. Um, I have mentioned before that they look a little faster. They don't look out of play. They don't look and as out of place as I think they did before. I think they look a lot quicker. They look they look tough harder on pucks. They're it looks like they're getting caught a lot less in their own end of the ice as, say, the Sutter lead lines were because Sutter is a little bit older and a little bit slower and Jay Beagle, I put in that same category of guys who are good and have played for a long time, but they're very clearly just can't keep up at this pace anymore over the long stretch of time and obviously past a COVID, a COVID situ- uh, situation as well. And it's not it's hard to blame them for that. It's more about the fact that it's like, you know, time catches up to you in all cases. This younger group looks a little better. It's not, granted, still not necessarily NHL fantastic quality better, but better. Definitely a marginal upgrade. And I think Greovac, Howerluck, and Highmore got rewarded for it in this last game. They, I believe they combined for, uh, I want to say five points or four or five points on the, on the night the other day, on the other day, something like that. They were very good. They, yeah, because we had, so just to give you an idea, there was the, Howerluck had the assist on, on Rathbone's goal, had the lone assist on Rathbone's goal, just, uh, you know, he won a puck battle, took it—won a, a puck battle, won a, uh, like, he intercepted the puck in the Oilers' end, got a shot away, then ended up bouncing right out to Rathbone, and he put it in, so that was—that was a point for them. Uh, then you have—then Har- you have Arla coming in and actually scoring a goal, his second of the season, and Matthew Highmore gets an assist on that, and then you go down and Tyler Grayovac gets, gets on the score sheet, uh, with a goal of his—with a goal of his own unassisted. Um— that whole group looked very good like they're again playing above their heads they're not supposed to be as good as this they're they're very clearly kind of just treading water for the most part and it's just a matter of okay like we say they say it all the time on the show don't be a minus you don't have to be a huge positive just don't be a negative when you're out on the ice make just create time all your your whole job is just to uh, is sometimes right now, uh, for a, a team that's still very much rebuilding, oh boy, seven years, it is to kill time until you can get the top six guys out there again, is to kill time and waste the other team's energy until you can get the big the big guns back on the ice. And they did more than that on Thursday. They scored. They were an offensive positive for that group. And it is has not been often a season you in the bottom six it, at all like there've been moments and times but that game was very much a recipe of the bottom six actually doing their job and playing to the best of their ability and you can't ask for much more than that from this group and tip of the cap to them Grayovac getting involved uh Highmore getting an assist and Harolak two points Harolak was great again i have said before that i think Harolak is the best of the bottom six options they have um, as far as like could he come, could you see him coming back next season and doing something? Yeah, how or luck I'd put in that mix. 100%. He's not, again, I don't know if you're gonna get much better than you've already gotten out of him, but he's doing all right. He's he's definitely doing his best, he's doing his best and he tries hard. The offense hasn't been coming for him. And finally, on Thursday, it did. It absolutely came for him, and he earned every every second of it. So good for Luck and for Graovac as well, uh, both coming in and having just a, an awesome night. Um, especially on a night where, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily the bottom, the top six wasn't, wasn't good. Like, I wouldn't say they weren't good. I mean, Brock Besser had a goal and a really nice goal, too. Um, it just, you know, they weren't, they were clearly getting, you know, the harder lineup, the harder matchups that all night long, there wasn't much they could do. Uh, there wasn't as much that they could do on a normal night, uh, but you know, Hoaglander and Besser coming through when they can. This was very much a night dominated by the bottom six and the supporting cast pulling their weight as much as they possibly could, and that's fantastic. That's what that's what wins you wins you championships. You win championships based on your bottom six and your role guys coming in to not only do their roles, but to sometimes punch above them. And that's 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 exactly what it takes. You can look at any past champion, any past champion of the last 20 years in the NHL. you will find in all of those cases, you'll find teams uh, where their role guys were coming in and having some big night at the right at, in being in the right place at the right time to have that great night. Um, and that's what they got from, from those guys last night. They got from Graovac, they got it from Luck. they got it from Highmore, they got it even from, um, Zach McEwen to a certain degree. (laughs) Well, Zach McEwen, I guess, uh, more so Zach McEwen for just being an absolute thorn in Darnell Nurse's side to the point where, uh, he's now suspended and will not play today's game. Uh, and I guess we'll just get into that right now. Um, Zach McEwen getting suspended by the Department of Player Safety for one game. Uh, for one game for kneeing Darnell Nurse. Now, in here, objectively, before we get into the whole Department of Player Safety conversation we already had on Tuesday again because we have to. Um, objectively, yes, what Zach McEwen did was not okay and warranted a suspension. That's fair. That's a, that's totally legitimate one giving a one a one game suspension for a guy who whether or not he actually really hurt darnell nurse in that case he didn't he very clearly didn't it was a very cheeky side i'm going to brush my knee on your face sort of thing um it was very clearly the intention was i'm going to knee was i'm kneeing you in the face and yeah you can't do that that's a one game suspension for sure it's just very, very rich to see them do that. To see them hand that out um, after a case in which Tom Wilson grabbed Artemi Panarin from behind and body slammed him into the ice, uh, injuring him and putting him out of out for the rest of the season, um, and got no suspension. Apparently, that's okay. Apparently, that's fine. Apparently. Actually injuring a guy by throwing him and nearly having him hit his head on the ice with no helmet on, you know, that's a potential death you're looking at. Let's not kid ourselves. You could absolutely kill someone doing that. Um for you for that but that's that's totally okay. But lightly brushing your knee on a guy's head uh just to piss them off, that's a that is unacceptable. And that's again, that was their it was unequivocally unacceptable. It's like Oh my god, I will never take anything the Department of Players' Safety says seriously ever again. Or at least as long as they're in charge of this—as long as this guy is in charge. Uh, Definitely not. Uh, They don't deserve it, because they don't deserve it. They have no—they have no idea what actual hockey play is. And furthered by the fact that in that same game, again, Darnell Nurse and Zach McEwen have been going at it the entire night. There is one case where Darnell Nurse, in the span of about two seconds— Cross checks McEwen, then punches him, then cross checks him again, then punches him multiple times with McEwen doing nothing and being like, hey, look at this guy. Look at what he's doing. And that's, again, that's okay. Punching and cross checking a guy with him absolutely doing nothing in return and just letting him do it, uh, that's that's perfectly okay. That's perfectly okay for him to do, apparently. That's apparently okay for Darnell Nurse to do. And then in that game, they get into a fight, at which point, as Darnell Nurse is clearly losing this fight, he then straight up lifts McEwen off the ice and does almost ide- an identical version of what Tom Wilson did, and body slams McEwen to the ice and then starts punching him uh, when he's on the ground. Uh, complete bull garbage move. A Total garbage move. Like, you can seriously injure somebody doing that, right? That's completely not, uh, not Okay. Like, that should be a suspension. You can't throw a guy to the ice like that. You can't pick him up and then throw him... At, and then throw him, again, with very clearly trying to throw him head first into the ice, uh, trying to put him in the hospital, and then punching him while standing... And then standing sitting on top of him and starting to just throw sailing punches at him while he's down. Super not okay. Super BS thing to do. And, again... The only person getting a suspension today and the only person we're talking about today is Zach McCune because apparently, again, brushing your knee on a guy's head is worse than trying to hurt them, than trying to actually hurt somebody. Because, again, the NHL Department of Player Safety is a colossal joke and they have no actual care for player safety. It's not about that for them. They don't care about that. All they care about is uh, letting the... Letting guys go, letting guys who uh, purposely try to injure each other go off easy because that's what the players, that's what the people who are in charge of the Department of Player Safety used to do. Look it up. They're all in, lots of the guys, lots of the guys in that department are people who got in a lot of fights and took a lot of penalties. Because and it's it completely makes perfect sense that they don't want to suspend players like that because that would be admitting that what they did was trash and that the way that the kind of style of hockey they played was complete garbage. Um, and they never, and in a, in a well-run league, they would never have seen the ice in their entire life. Like, what, what on earth did, what on earth did George Peros do except for fight? Like, did he act, like, I'm pretty sure most people have just as much hockey skill, actual hockey skill as George Peros does, does, as George Peros did, but they never did it, got to play it because that's not why, that's not why he's in there. He was just there to fight. That was it. That was the only reason he ever had a chance at the NHL is because he knew how to fight. He never would have played in a real league, in a proper, well-run league. George Paris doesn't even come close to making the NHL. So, like, yeah, again, it's admitting a problem for them. It's them admitting, hey, I played a garbage style of hockey. I don't want to admit that I had a problem and I played poorly. So I'm not going to suspend anyone who does the same thing that I would have done. That's the Department of Player Safety for you. That's it. You see stuff like the, the Monday game against the Capitals and the Rangers and how everybody just starts dropping the gloves and fighting. Uh, again... Wow. People being like, that's great. Great TV. It's just the dumbest thing in the world. Like, no, nobody comes and watches hockey for the fights. This is this. Is, and this is the thing, right? Like, I want to talk about this very briefly. Cause again, we already did a whole episode of this on Tuesday. Um, and I feel like the stories, but I feel like the story is important to the Zach McHugh situation to a degree and to the whole department of player safety debacle as a whole. Um, I, so there's the Rangers fight, the Rangers Capitals brawl starts happening, right? And I get a text from a friend of mine. I get a text from a friend of mine back in California who does not watch a lot of hockey. He does, he loves sports, absolutely loves sports, does watch the Sharks, pays attention, but they're very clearly like number four for him, right? Basketball, football, and baseball, those are all clearly like his top three. NHL's, they'll, they'll sometimes rotate around between those top three, but NHL is very clearly and solidified like number four, right? You get, you get that. That's a lot of them. And that's a lot of Americans. And again, this is why that's important. So, uh, during that, after that whole brawl happens, he, uh, DMs me on Twitter and he says to me, and he says to me like, yo, this is so cool. Like, and I'm just like, dude, this is embarrassing. Like this is awful. And he says, and he's like, and he gives me, you know, like the general spiel that a lot of people give you about like hockey and fighting and everything, especially like you know people who don't like, you know, who don't watch it like all the time, right? They're like, you know, this is really cool, like this is awesome, like sticking up for yourself, awesome, right? Like the same, you know, the usual, the usual arguments for fighting. And this is this is the important part here. I asked him, like I very much said to him, let me ask you a question: Are you watching this game right now? And he said, No. What's happening? And to, and then I said to him, "That's the problem. That's the point. People don't actually go and watch the don't actually go and watch the rest of the game after the fighting stops. They leave. That's why this isn't good for the NHL. What the NHL has done, and the NHL and the Department of Player Safety has done by putting what they think is entertainment over the actual, uh, giving that more value than the actual safety of their own star players, is." They have sent a message to people, to not people who wouldn't necessarily watch hockey uh, without good advertising. They have marketed the sport to those people, to those potential customers as the only reason the only time worth watching hockey is when there's some crazy fight going on. And keep in mind, when fights happen, the clock stops. So in reality, it matters for only one second of the actual time on the ice, of the actual ice time which means that there are 59, second, 59 minutes and 59 seconds worth of other sports things happening that the NHL has effectively said doesn't matter. That's not interesting. What is interesting is watching people beat each other up uh, in a sport where you do not win based on that. You win based on scoring goals and putting pucks in the net and getting stops from your goaltender. Those are the things that actually matter in hockey. And the NHL is telling you that that's not true. That That's effectively what they've done. Like... You cannot tell me that it's a sustainable business model to have people pop in for five minutes of one game, maybe every month or less. Like, how often do we see line brawls in the NHL anymore? I think, in fact, this was the first one since the Canucks' Flames one where Tortorella on went to the Flames locker room to try to fight Bob Hartley. Um, I think that's the first line brawl. What you're telling... That's not good. You That's not a sustainable business model if they're only going to show up for five minutes, watch a fight, and then leave. Laugh at it and leave. Um, somebody made the really good comparison on Twitter that it's like it's like when people slow down on the freeway to see a car accident. Like, that's perfect analogy. That car accident, like, that car accident, they're just looking like, whoa, that's crazy. And then they drive off, and they never think about it again. It's out of their... The minute it's out of their view they never think about it again ever and that's what the nhl has done here that's what the nhl is teaching people is they're teaching no, they're teaching people who aren't already hockey fans that the only time to watch hockey is when there's a weird fight when a crazy fight happens and that none of the rest of it matters this is what's this is what's fun this is what's entertaining never mind that there are other plenty of physical sports that don't have fighting in them do you see brawls breaking out in football all the time no And they have full-on tackling. Like, don't tell me that fighting is necessary. It's so not. Baseball, sometimes they get, like, the weird benches clearing brawl, but nothing actually really happens in any of those. It's just a lot of people, angry people, kind of yelling at each other a little bit or, like, shoving each other around. Baseball is, and yet baseball is very clearly far more popular than hockey. Makes a lot more money. It's a much bigger sport. Soccer, biggest sport in the world. How often do you see people actually, like, fighting in, on the field? On the, in the stands, that's another thing. That's a completely other story. But on the actual field, how often do you see, like, a soccer fight breaking out on the actual field between players? Never. Practically never. It just doesn't happen. And yet, again, most popular sport in the entire world, um, worth billions of dollars. But hockey thinks that it's better than that. Thinks it knows better. It doesn't. The NHL doesn't know better. It just doesn't, and it's frustrating seeing stuff like this, where Zach McEwen gets suspended for one game, and what he's what he did is considered more egregious than putting our Temmy Panarin, one of the stars of the game, in the hospital and like out of the out of the NHL for the rest of the season, even if it is only three games. That's apparently less of a big deal than than a light love tap with your knee. Okay. The, the the system's broken. Is at the end of the day the NHL system broken, they better think about long and hard about why people more people more, more new people don't come to the sport. Simple as that. Simple as that. You got a whole new broadcast deal coming up next year. You got a whole chance to reinvent yourself as a league. This is your opportunity right here right now is to prove that the way that you have started doing things does not work and it's not going to work with a new audience unless you give them a better a better product specifically until you market them a better product because hockey on its surface is fantastic it's the best sport in the world in my opinion at its best at its core when they're when they're just some great scoring games it's physic- it's still physical without being without advertising say the fighting parts there's lots of great things about hockey if you market it well right now And the way that the Department of Player Safety and the referees handle it, it's not there. It could be. It very well could be. But it's not there yet. Um, Enough of that tangent again. I don't have anyone—I don't have Cody to rein me in here today, so I'm not going to spend any more time on it. But before we close out this episode, we should talk about the playoff race because it is— Well, it's not really a race anymore. It's nearly over. There's only a little bit left to go here. Uh, there are two, only two playoff spots left for grabs right now, um, and right now, obviously, we already talked about the Canucks uh, potentially being the last hope, the last great hope for um, for the playoffs in uh, when it comes to Montreal, when it comes to making the uh, against Montreal. Um, but the other race, of course, there is Nashville uh, going up. There is Nashville holding a slim two point lead on the Dallas Stars with two games to go. They play, uh, they will play, um, they will play today, I believe. Um, if I can look these, if I can look up the, the game sheets really quickly. Cool. Yes, they play Carolina today. The Predators play Carolina if they win. Uh, they, they clinch their spot in the postseason. And, uh, and that's what, and uh, that's what they're going for today. Um, Dallas, I don't think plays again until tomorrow at the earliest. Uh, unless I'm looking at the calendar wrong. Nope, I think I got it. Um, But that's not really the important part here, really. That's not really the important part in the Discover Card (laughs) Central Division. Uh, As much as I do want to see Nashville, I wouldn't mind seeing, like, a Nashville... Honestly, Nashville or Dallas. I'm not picky on that one. I do... I am impartial to the Predators because I enjoy uh, their... I enjoy the market. I enjoy the team. uh, I enjoy a lot of the things that they've done as a franchise to really make Nash To make hockey in in that city more popular. Um, so I am more impartial to Nashville, uh, especially compared to like Dallas. But that's not the important part here. The important part here is that officially, uh, as of uh, yesterday, as of yesterday, we it is it is official that this in the first round of the playoffs this year for the first time ever we will get battle of Florida. We will get the battle of Florida between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers and. Oh my god, I am so excited for this. I am, I don't think, I think I am more excited for this playoff series than any other. Like, hands down. I don't know if you've, I, if you're in Vancouver, if you're in Vancouver, I don't know how much, uh, how much of the Lightning Panthers season series you've watched, and again, that's, this particular year, that's totally fair, because every game's been interdivisional, it's been made very clear that not everybody Uh, lots of people are not really paying attention to what's going on in the other divisions just because of how in how much the games within division matter this year. I, I totally understand that, which is why you're, it is very much worth your time to pay attention today when the Panthers and Lightning meet, uh, potentially to decide who gets home ice advantage, uh, in the postseason. I am very much hoping for Florida. Uh, I'm pulling, you know, I'm pulling for the Panthers, um, they're tied at seventy-five points each. It is going to come down to the wire when it comes to regulation wins. Tampa has the upper edge, so I believe Florida has to win out. They have to win two in a row. They have to win two in a row to guarantee uh, that they get home ice. It is going to be it's going to be chaos. I am so excited. Their so their season series has been incredible. The Panthers have actually done very well against Tampa during the, during the regular season. They have really, they have, they both play a really, uh, like they're both obviously high scoring teams, but with physicality and there's actual, some, there's some actual hate there for the first time. Honestly, like this is going to be the best series, not just like for so many reasons. Number one, like the blue lightning jerseys versus the red Panthers jerseys. Amazing, amazing Jersey matchup. You have Barkoff uh, Huberto, um, oh my god, I'm missing so many, why am I blanking on the Panthers, there's so many good players, uh, Ekblad, if he comes back, I think he's, oh, Anthony Duclair, let's talk about Anthony Duclair, he's been amazing this year, um, there's, like, they've been doing so well, like, that Panthers team is awesome, they're so fun, they're such a fun team, and I want to see them go, like, go far. I want the I want to see them go far. I really want a Hurricanes-Panthers second round. That's my, that's my ideal second round matchup, because I think it would be very, very fun and entertaining. Um, uh, but this one's going to be, like, just, I don't want to, it's going to be an absolute war. Like, well, like, you know, it's just going to be a very, very, very tough series. They, these are two franchises that have been waiting for a shot at each other in the postseason for, 25 26 years now a long time like it's it's crazy to think about how old those te- those franchises actually are at this point right like tampa's been around since uh 91 92 or 92 93 one of those years uh i I, be- I i can't remember exactly which one it is uh the panthers have been around since 93 94 i do remember that one that's the same year as anaheim um and obviously more importantly same year as the canucks went to the cup finals those, these two franchises have been around a very, very long time, and the fact that they have never met in a playoff series, because they have just literally every time they miss each other. Anytime the Panthers have been good, the Lightning weren't, which was, again, which is the more rare version, is when the Panthers were great, were pretty good, and the Lightning just weren't. Uh, didn't happen often, and when the Lightning were really good, which has been a lot of times, the Panthers haven't been good, which is a lot of times. So the fact that it, it it it's it's literally just been this roller coaster of oh they just keep missing each other like so close so close to getting that battle of the sunshine state every time. This year is it. This is it. It's finally here. Finally here to see who's gonna get it done. Uh as far as the prediction goes, uh I'm sure we'll do a whole playoff prediction episode before the before the playoffs actually begin. Uh but I'm going Florida. I absolutely think it's Florida. They're gonna they're gonna get it done. They're gonna they're going to exercise a lot of demons and they're gonna they're gonna make a good push here they're gonna make a good push at the, in the postseason this year i think uh even hell even winning one series is a good push for them i mean it's been since 96 they haven't won a playoff series since 96. awesome go for it let's see what they can do i think they've got i really think they've got the the horses to go a decent to go to at least get by the lightning i think it and i think it would be just great. I think it'd be good for the sport if they won, if they beat Tampa. I think that's great for everybody. I mean, Tampa already won the cup. They're the defending champions. I think if you can see Florida maybe come out and deuce and actually put them, put them out, and like upset them, that would be just a, a phenomenal, that'd be phenomenal for that rivalry and for, for Florida hockey as a whole, just to have those two teams go at it and have the Panthers come out on top and actually make it like, make it interesting and make it like a, make and actually make the the battle less lopsided in terms of just the overall franchise arcs, I think that would be great. That'd be huge. And um with that in mind, uh just to give us a quick standings update for everything else going on, Carolina close to clinching the I think or they have already clinched the division. They have clinched the central division. Awesome for Carolina, thrilled about that. Um obviously they await either Nashville or Dallas as their final play as their playoff opponent. Um, Vegas still has some work to do before they clinch the, the West Division. Colorado, only four points behind them. Minnesota, only one point behind the Avs, closing in on another Avalanche Wild Series. That would be good. That would be pretty good as well, uh, with Kirill off making it extra interesting. And, uh, St. Louis clinching their ticket to the postseason yesterday. Uh, Arizona, I don't know what you're doing. This is you missed the playoffs. Way to go. I, I told you you should have bought at the trade deadline. I don't know what you're thinking. Um, East division, Pittsburgh leading the division, because again, no sense. Nothing makes sense. I don't get it. I don't get it. I thought they were old. And then Jeff Carter goes and scores four goals the other night. Was it four goals? Insanity. Just nuts. Nothing makes sense anymore. Um, Washington, three points behind them in the, in the, in the East division, Boston, uh, just lost today, just lost right now against the Rangers, so that puts them a little bit farther back, uh, from the two leaders, uh, as far as games in hand are concerned, and then the Islanders in fourth, right about where you'd expect, uh, the Islanders are right there, obviously the Rangers didn't go, didn't get anywhere this year, uh, tough year, tough year for everyone in New York, um, we didn't e- we don't even have time to get into the old Jeff Gordon John Davidson thing today. I'm sure we'll do that on the next episode when Cody gets back. Um and then of course, here in the Canadian division, it is still just a weird free for all. Uh Toronto still hasn't technically cleared uh the division threshold yet. I'm sure they will do that today when they play uh I believe it's Montreal. I believe they have Montreal today. Yes, they do. They will probably clear that today. That'll that'll be it. Um I think the Canucks can stave off uh, elimination for one more day as long as Montreal and Toronto are playing against each other because I don't think Montreal has done all that well against the Leafs. Um, but as far as this division is concerned, Edmonton, I believe, is already cleared the top two. So they'll be top two in the division, I think, this year because I think seven points... Oh, I guess I guess Winnipeg could pass them, but it will take some time. It would take some effort. Um... I don't think so. I think this is. I think uh, this is probably it for that. From that standpoint, um, Winnipeg's already in the playoffs, obviously. Uh, and then you have Montreal uh, clinging on, just desperately clinging on to that final spot in the in the in the division. Can they finish it off? Only time will tell. And by next episode, we might have our answer. Uh, as far as Vancouver is concerned, just put out your best effort. That's all we ask. And with that in mind, this has been a very short, very, uh, but jam-packed, I think, episode of the cast. Oh, one last thing. You know what? There's one last thing we need to talk about, and that's the fact that Connor McDavid has 96 points. Uh, if I, if I have my stats correct here. I do believe they have 96 points. Uh, he has 96 points. Yes. So he's 96 points in 52 games. He has four games left to get to 100. All I ask... <laughs> From the Vancouver Canucks, there is if there is one goal I have for this team for the final eight games of the season, seven games of the season, I guess eight. Eight more games. All I ask, you have two more games against Edmonton. Please, oh please, do not be the team that Connor McDavid gives up the 100th point to. That's all I ask. That That's all I need from you guys is to not be the team... That is on the highlight reel every damn year for the next decade. Every time it's like, look how... Remember when Connor McDavid got 100 points in under 60 games? Because it's going to happen regardless. Just don't be that team that I have to watch the footage of every time it gets played on Hockey Night in Canada or on ESPN or TNT or TSN, what have you. Please let it be like... Someone else just anyone else. That's all I ask And you know what you've got the odds are in your favor. Just give him give him one goal Give him a point or two tonight. Fine 98 leave him there. Do not let him get Even close do not let him get 99 Don't let him get there because that's too close like that the second the empty net comes out You know, he's gonna try for it so for 100 so you just you gotta leave him the space so that he just goes off on whoever's next Because I don't think it's them, because it's not the Canucks. After this, it's two games against Montreal, and you know he's going to get one. He's going to get one. Don't leave it to the end. I believe in you guys. All right. Final All right. And that's it for this this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you enjoyed the show, make sure to check out uh, us all on your other podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and... Et uh, The And uh, if you enjoyed the audio version of the show, we're also on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Punch that bell. So you know when a new episode drops on our YouTube channel. Um, what else is there to talk about? Oh, leave us a like. Leave us a like on the YouTube channel. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. So if I give us those five stars. We really appreciate it. Uh, when you do, it really helps us uh, put the show in front of more people. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and... Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok uh, at Lock of the Crease, uh, and you can find my work at lockofthecrease.com, where I do the North Division power rankings every single Sunday, as well as some other new stuff that's coming out. Not just on lockofthecrease.com, as we round the corner into the final stretch of the season. Um, also, an article coming out possibly on a on a, a certain website called a Canucks.com that you should be keeping an eye out for in the next week or two. And Cody is not here today, but he will be back on Tuesday. And in the meantime, you can follow him on Twitter, at Cody Sievertson, on Instagram, at, Comest, at Comets Harvest, which will probably be getting a rebrand soon, as well as his website that will be getting rebranded sooner rather than later, CometsHarvest.com. Um, who knows? We'll, we'll figure out whenever that Utica team comes in. I'm sure he will have something good coming in. I believe the uh, the the leading idea, uh, or at least the one he posted on Twitter, was Farmies was the Farmies, which is, I love, personally, I love that one. Uh, also, Canucks Farmy, I like that one. And I liked uh, Quad's answer, uh, Quad's response, which was, I will sue you. <laughs> He's going to sue Cody for Canucks Farmy, uh, which is, which had me being like, do it, do it. Name, <laughs> name it Canucks Farmie. let's go. Uh, yeah, he'll be back on Tuesday, as will I. Thank you for listening. This has been the CreaseCast. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Take care!